Good morning. Good resurrection morning to you guys. Um, we, uh, we appreciate you joining us this morning. Thank you so much for uh, letting us come into your homes this morning. <clears throat> if you attend in person or if you are, on, are one of our regular online people, or if you're even one of uh, the people that are joining us for the very first time this morning, we appreciate you. On behalf of the N3C staff, we want to welcome you uh, to, to our service as you welcome us into your homes. We appreciate you so much. <clears throat> How are we doing, guys? Do I need to keep going or? Okay. Just keep going? Okay. <clears throat> All right. Well, if you're joining us online on our multitude of webcasting, we know that uh, there are always chances for problems and goofy things going on in, in, uh, <clears throat> in uh, online world. So um, anyways, with that, I want you to understand that today you may be at home <clears throat> not dressed up and not coming to church. Uh, what you usually do, your normal traditional routine on Easter or Resurrection Sunday. But uh, here's what I want to tell you, is today is not an ordinary day. They've tried to make it an ordinary day, but it's not an ordinary day. It's never an ordinary day. Today is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And <clears throat> man, what, a, uh, what an awesome day it's going to be. I just want you to go through this day not feeling like you're missing anything. You are where you're supposed to be. You are in the place where you're supposed to be. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ has already happened, and it is happening today in your life. And we just, um, <clears throat> we just rejoice with you in that. Amen? So with that, we are going to get into the message today. If you have your Bibles... If you would go to John chapter 19. Today I'm going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me for my voice today. <clears throat> um, today we are going to talk normally what we talk about on, on Resurrection Weekend. We're going to talk about the cross. We're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus. But here's the deal. In John chapter 19, Jesus has already gone through many, many hours of uh, of torture, of suffering, being beat, being punched, being kicked, his beard being ripped out, a crown of thorns put upon his head, a robe put upon him, and the blood coagulating to the robe, and then it ripped off of him and put back on him again. I mean, he's been going through a lot of torture and a lot of suffering up to this point. <clears throat> but I wanted to bring you to this couple of verses of scripture here in John chapter 19. And it says here in John chapter 19, verse 17, I'm going to read to you from the Passion Translation today. It says, Jesus carried his own cross out of the city to the place called the Skull, which in Aramaic is Golgotha. And there they nailed him to the cross. He was crucified along with two others, one on each side with Jesus in the middle. Today I'm going to talk to you about the man in the middle. Let's pray real quick. Thank you, Father. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these moments we have together. And God, as, as we 
get to come into the homes of hundreds and hundreds of people. Father, we just thank you so much that it's not a church building that brings your presence. It's our presence in your presence that brings your presence. And we thank you so much for the moments we have together. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the events that have happened over the last 6,000 years, that those events we can capture in our day and time, and they're still relevant, and they're still meaningful to us today. And Father, we thank you so much for what you're going to do in our lives today as we prepare to take communion, as we prepare to hear your word preached. And God, I just thank you so much for what you're going to do in each and, one of, each and every one of our homes. And we give you glory, honor, and praise for all the fruit that's born out of it today. In Jesus' name, amen. If I were to ask you the question, what is the most influential band that we've ever known in our day and generation, what would your answer be? No, Pastor Greg, it's not Def Leppard. Uh, the (laughs) The most influential band that we have known in our time is a band called The Beatles. The Beatles. If you know of a Beatles song, we just want you to comment what Beatles song is your favorite song right now. Just, just comment which song is your favorite song. But in 1965, they come on the scene in 1960 and became an overnight sensation. In 1965, they recorded a song called Nowhere Man. When I said Nowhere Man, most of you probably know that song. Probably all of a sudden the, the first lyric of that song probably come to your head with John Lennon, Paul McCartney, and George Harrison singing three-part harmony that he's a real no I'm not going to sing it. Thank God. But it says he's a real nowhere man living in his nowhere land, making all his nowhere plans for nobody. Now that's an uplifting song, isn't it? It was the first song that the Beatles had released that had nothing to do with love or romance of any kind. It was written by John Lennon at the height of his success, the height of the Beatles' success. They were riding a wave of success, and he was in that place that he writes this song that seems so creative. It seems like it's got a huge story behind it. And it did, because John Lennon, when he wrote that song, he was not in a good place. Paul McCartney said a few years later about that song when he was questioned about John Lennon's state of mind during that song. He said, I think at that point, he, John Lennon, was a bit wondering where he was going, and to be truthful, so was I. I was starting to worry about John. The lyrics that John Lennon wrote there identified him in that time, identified his mindset, and identified the place of his current reality. He was a real nowhere man. He was a man feeling stuck nowhere in between, caught between two somewheres. And that is when the dam broke over John's life 
and those words to nowhere man came along. I believe that we have all felt that way at some point in our lives. Have you felt that way at some point in your life? Felt like that you were stuck in a place of nowhere, caught in between where you were and where you're going, but you felt like you was in nowhere land? A man or a woman, a teenager, a child, feeling stuck in nowhere, caught between two somewheres. That's what I feel like our current reality is right now. I feel like we're caught in a place between what was normal and what's going to be normal. But we're caught in this place. We're waiting for it to play out. We don't know whether or not things are going to get better, things are going to stay the same. What, 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 where are we at? We don't know where we're at. We just have to wait and walk it out and see. <clears throat> the Bible, when we read the Bible, especially for us Christians, when we read the Bible, we identify Jesus in his humanity as the Son of God, right? But most important, in John chapter 1, before he was the Son of God, John chapter 1 says that he was the Word of God. It says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, he was the Word of God first, but then, as he is the Word of God, Later on, he becomes flesh. The word of God becomes flesh. He becomes the son of man. And it was the son of man here on the cross in John chapter 19 that we see as a man, but he at this point is a nowhere man, it seems like. He has no friends. He has no followers. He, his brothers and sisters have disowned him. His mother is the only one there and she is helpless to do anything with him about him being on that cross. Death is imminent. Death is upon him. He don't know what's coming because he's not dead yet, but he has an idea of what might come. He's still having to use his faith of what God told him that would, would come, but he's stuck there, what seems like in the middle of a nowhere land, And he's caught in the middle between two criminals and he's accused of worse than a murderer than they were. See, Jesus, at that point that he's on the cross, caught between those two criminals, it's right there that Jesus is in that place like John Lennon, the dam breaks over his life and the words came. You say, what words came? It was the words that he, as the word of God, penned in a man, in the heart of a man named David, 1,100 years before. David was a real nowhere man 1,100 years before. He's running from King Saul. David had not become king yet. He was anointed to become king, but he hadn't become king yet. And he's running from King Saul who wants to kill him so that he doesn't become king. And he runs out into the wilderness. He runs, he's a nowhere man running to a nowhere land, living in a cave all by himself in a nowhere land. 
And David writes these words in Psalm 22. If you want to go over to Psalm 22, you can. David is running. He's by himself, probably feeling pretty lonesome, probably feeling in despair. But David, in that moment, begins to write a song that is relevant to his situation, not knowing that a hundred, I mean, 1100 years later, that the song that he wrote in that cave would become the song that would fulfill 33 prophecies of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it would be the lyrics that Jesus would begin to speak as he's on the cross in the middle of two criminals. I just want to read through some of these psalms uh, of Psalm 22, some of these verses of Psalm 22. And I want you to, what you know about Jesus and what he said on the cross, I want you to hear some of these statements that Jesus makes and some of the things that happen to Jesus when he's on the cross. Listen to how Psalm 22 starts out in verse 1 and 2. Once again, from the Passion Translation, it says, My God, my God, why would you abandon me now? Why do you remain distant, refusing to answer my tearful cries in the day and my desperate cries for your help in the night? I can't stop sobbing. Where are you, my God? Go on down to verse 6. It says, But look at me now. I'm like a woeful worm, crushed and bleeding crimson. I don't even look like a man anymore. I've been abused, despised, and scorned by everyone. Verse 8, they're saying, is this the one who trusted in God? Is this the one who claims God is pleased with him? Now let's see if your God will come to to your rescue. We'll just see how much he delights in you now. Verse 14. Now I'm completely exhausted. I'm spent. Every joint of my body has been pulled apart. My courage has vanished and my inward parts have melted away. I'm so thirsty and parched, dry as a bone. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. And now you've left me in the dust for dead. They've pierced my hands and my feet. Verse 18. With a toss of the dice, they divide my clothes among them, themselves, gambling for my garments. All those things that David wrote in Psalm 22, 1100 years later, came to pass when Jesus was on that cross. Those things became the story and the lyric of Jesus' life when he's on that cross. And I believe what many scholars believe, that Jesus, in the middle of his pain, in the middle of the agony, in the middle of the suffering, in the middle of the torture that he was feeling, he was singing this psalm. He may not have been singing it out loud and rejoicing out You know, with his arms, well, his arms were raised forcefully. 
And he may not have been joyfully singing, but under his breath, he is singing. And as the man in the middle, dying with legit criminals on either side of him, like David, it seemed his humanity was in despair. When you go back and look at John Lennon's lyrics of Nowhere Man, he said he's a real nowhere man, making all of his nowhere plans for nobody, but not Jesus. Jesus, as the man in the middle, even though he's feeling some of these things, he is making his somewhere plans for everyone. Making his somewhere plans for every body, past, present, and future. See, David's lyrics here in Psalm 22, especially the second half, change. They change from being in despair to being in hope. It becomes less about the moment that he's living in and more about the future of what it holds for him. It became a song of praise rising up from the pain that he was feeling. Psalm 22 Verse 24 says this, listen how this goes. For he has not despised my cries of deep despair. Talking about God. He's my first responder to my sufferings. He didn't look the other way when I was in pain. He was there all the time listening to the song of the afflicted. You're the reason for my praise. It comes from you and it goes to you. I will keep my promise to praise you before all who fear you among the congregation of your people. I will invite the poor and the broken, and they will come and eat until satisfied. Bring Yahweh praise, and you will find him. Your hearts will overflow with life forever. Can you imagine Jesus on the cross He's feeling those negative despair things. But as he mutters this, this psalm, he knows this psalm. It is a popular psalm in, in, the, in the word that he was raised in. He knew this psalm. And so he's muttering this psalm. And as he is hanging there on the cross as a man in the middle, it switches from despair into hope. And he begins to mutter, this popular song through the gasps of breath as he's trying to pull himself up and get breath as the fluids fill his lungs and he begins to suffocate. He proves at that moment to be the man in the middle by removing the nowhere land, by removing the nowhere man, by removing the nowhere plans and by removing the nobodies. He became the man in the middle that bridged the gap between two somewheres. Represented by the extremes of the two criminals that were on either side of him. The two criminals on the either side of him had two extreme places that they were thinking, that they were in, those despair, that despair that they were in. They had two different ways of thinking. Listen to this. 
In Luke chapter 23, I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. It says, One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself. Oh, and us too, while you're at it. But the other criminal on the other side protested, and he said, Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die. We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. See, all my Christian life, I read this and I looked at this. I didn't look at this as Jesus being the man in the middle and bridging two gaps. I looked at this as one bad criminal over here and one good criminal over here, a good criminal. But he recognized something in Jesus. I want to tell you something today that really messed with me and 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 I want to throw it out into your living room or wherever you're at today. But I want to say this. Jesus did not favor one criminal over the other. In the criminal's place, in their nowhere, he became the man in the middle, bridging the gap and creating a path of somewheres for all mankind. This is what I know about you, and this is what I know about me. This is what I know about the world we live in, is there are some people that scoff at Jesus. There are some people that, that, that look at Jesus and what he did and they, they really can't understand and they really don't believe that that's the, that's the case. But that doesn't mean that he hasn't created the path. Or if you're a believer, you understand the path that he created to get you through your nowhere land. There is a path, there is a bridge that the middleman creates. He's not in the middle just because. That's the lottery that happened when Jesus got put on the cross. He's in the middle for a purpose. And he's in the middle to bridge the gap of wherever you're at today, even as a Christian, not knowing what normal was and what normal is going to be. He is the man in the middle for us today. In Matthew chapter 6, he said, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We all know that is the Lord's prayer. But your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus hung there on that cross as a man in the middle. The crossbar goes both ways. A path for these men to come to God, but also a path for us, for heaven and earth to join together. It was a perfect cross. Think about it. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He's the man in the middle. He's the man in the middle that joins you to him and then joins you to the Father. He is the bridge. So here's, one, here's where I want to close out today. I want to close out with the last couple of verses of Psalm 22. The last couple of verses of Psalm 22 in the Passion Translation 
reads this way. Listen to this. His spiritual seed, talking about not natural children, but spiritual children, his spiritual seed shall serve him. Future generations will hear from us about the wonders of the sovereign Lord. His generations, his generation yet to be born will glorify him and they will declare it is finished. It is finished. See, when we know the story of the cross, the last words that Jesus spoke when he was on that cross were, it is finished. And the Bible says in the New Testament that he gave up the ghost, that his spirit departed, that he died. It was when he died, when he said, it is finished, he finished the psalm, Psalm 22. He finished the song. He had generated the hope for the generations. He had built the bridge. He had completed the gap. And they took the man in the middle off of his cross and they placed his body in the middle of a tomb. Three days and three nights, he was in that tomb. Where? In the middle. He was in the middle of a cave, just like David was. And I think that this lyric was running over and over in him. What I'm doing here in this, in this place, Jesus is saying, what I'm doing here in this place is I'm making a way for all of mankind to come after me. And on the third day, he was resurrected from the grave. That's what we celebrate today. The authentic resurrection of Jesus Christ. The man in the middle is now resurrected. When humanity, when you and me realize or recognize Jesus as the man in the middle of the cross, the man in the middle of the tomb, and the man who was resurrected from the grave, and we choose to follow him, the man in the middle now comes to live in the middle of you. When he comes into your life, he don't come into your head. He comes into your heart. He comes and lives in the middle of who you are. He takes our nowhere man and makes us somebody's going somewhere. What I want you to understand, and if you don't get anything that I've said today, I want you to get this. There were three crosses on that hill called Golgotha. There were three crosses on that hill. And today, almost 2,000 years later, the empty cross that we wear on a, on a chain around our neck, on a tattoo on our body, on a t-shirt, on the logo on our business card, a bumper sticker on our car, that empty cross that we have there does not represent the cross of the criminal on the right. And it doesn't, rep- it doesn't represent the cross of the criminal on the left. It represents the cross of the man in the middle. Jesus Christ, 
our King. But you to understand when you see that cross, that empty cross, it's the cross of Jesus and it represents our Christianity. It represents our faith. It represents, it should represent that we recognize Jesus as the man in the middle that's no, no longer on the cross. He's no longer in the tomb, but he's resurrected from the grave. The Bible says if you believe that he is resurrected from the grave, that you have him living in the middle of you. Amen. Amen. So what we're going to do is we're going to go, we're going to sing another song. And during this song, that if you have not got your communion ready, go get it ready. And we're going to take communion together as soon as this song's over. I love you. Listen to this song.
Well, at the cross, at the cross, man. See, the blood of Jesus is so awesome. It is the payment for what our nowheres, the place where our nowheres have kept us. His blood makes it possible for us to have the fullness of the man in the middle on the inside. So I want to ask you a question. Do you recognize Jesus as the man in the middle of your life? If you have never entered into that place and you've never experienced that place of the man in the middle in your life, I just want to tell you, it doesn't take you walking an aisle. It doesn't take you raising a hand. It even doesn't take you praying a prayer. It's simply displayed by what the man, I believe, on the left said to Jesus. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He recognized him. Jesus didn't get him off the cross and go baptize him. Jesus didn't make him pray a prayer. Jesus didn't look him in the eye and say, turn or burn. Jesus simply said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That simple remember me, remember me, remember me. See, Jesus was a carpenter before he was a preacher. And I believe that this guy probably knew him in that day. He knew the broken furniture that was taken to Jesus as a carpenter and he remembered those tables and chairs. He placed another part so that they could be complete again. Jesus as the man in the middle on the cross became the repairer. The book of Isaiah says he's the repairer of the breach. He is the one who repairs and remembers, remembers us to God. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, just simply say today, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. See, God doesn't strive to be first in our lives as much as he strives to be in the middle of our lives. We want to say all the time, I make him first. I make him first. I make him first. And that's good. Don't stop making him first. But always remember that he wants to be in the middle of everything you do. Not just the first of everything you do. He wants to be in the middle of everything you do. If we remember that, we can simply walk a life of goodness knowing that he's in the middle of everything that we do. And that's why we take communion. We take communion. We don't pour communion on us, thank God. We don't wear communion on the outside. We wear it on the inside. We put communion in the middle of who we are when we take communion. And it represents the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you have your elements with you, if you have your cracker, you have your bread, you have whatever you have today, If you have those things, if you would, get them in front of you and get ready. Because the night that Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, he sat down, it was Passover, and he sat down to have the Passover meal with his disciples. We know it as the Last Supper. But Jesus sat down and had the Passover meal. And it's during that Passover meal, there were four cups taken 
But the third cup that was taken was called the cup of redemption. And it was, it was that place of redeeming. It was that place of buying back. It was that place of bridging the gap. And he wanted them to understand that what they were doing symbolically would come to pass in just a few hours. <clears throat> that night, sitting there at the table, Jesus took the bread, which was unleavened bread. So it was like a cracker. And he took that bread and he broke it and he passed it around to each and every one of his disciples. And when he looked at them, he said, take this, this is my body, which is broken for you. And of course, at that point, his body had not been broken. He hadn't gone to the cross yet. He hadn't been beaten. He hadn't been punched and kicked and all the terrible things that happened to him just hours later. But he was saying, this is my body. This is my flesh. And anything that would happen in my flesh has happened in my flesh for you. So today, as you look at that bread, understand that it is just simply a cracker or a piece of bread. But when you apply your faith to what, the, what that bread means, all of a sudden, your faith mixed with that symbol becomes a reality inside you. If today you are um, sick in your body, if, if your body, if your flesh has anything going on, virus, brokenness, mental things going on in your body, whatever the case may be, you may have some things going on in your body. You don't even know what it is, but you know something's not right. The word of God says that every name that is named must bow its knee to the name of Jesus. So if you don't know what's going on in your body, it hadn't been diagnosed, diagnose it. Call it something just so that they can be under the blood of Jesus, under the name of Jesus. I got the galloping hopadutas. I don't know what it is, but that name, whatever it is, has to bow its knee to the name of, Je to the name of Jesus and the body that is broken for you. So what I want to do is I want to take this cracker. I want to take whatever the bread is that represents the bread in your life. I want to pray over it, and then we're going to take it together. So if you would, just gather it up in your hand there. Heavenly Father, I thank you. And I praise you that Jesus bridges the gap. His body bridged the gap in any sickness that we have, have had, or will ever have. I thank you that his body represents, his broken body represents the brokenness in us. And that he bridged the gap for the cure. He bridged the gap for our health. I thank you so much that he was the man in the middle and he remains the man in the middle of our health in Jesus' name. Whatever's going on in our bodies, we submit that to you and we apply the bread and our faith in the, in the symbol and we take your body as our body in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and take it and eat. Now, as the Bible says, Oh, dried my mouth out. The Bible, <laughs> the Bible says that on that same night, at that same moment, that he took the wine, he took 
the, the, grape, the, the, the juice of the grape. And he said, this is my blood, which represents the ratification of your sins. In other words, he's saying, we put a seal upon sin. When you take my blood, understand that my blood is the power, the tension, if you will, to keep the bridge from breaking down. When you, when you look at the Golden Gate Bridge or, or some bridge that's a, one of those suspension bridges, when you look at those things, it's the wires that bring the tension that keep the bridge in its integrity. And it's the blood of Jesus that keeps the bridge, the man in the middle, in integrity in our lives and keeps sin from being the culprit that brings us down. He said, all the sin that you would ever have, that you've had or you have or you will ever have, can be ratified or taken away in my blood. So that's what the blood of Jesus, that's what the juice is all about. That's what the liquid is all about. It's about taking that blood of Jesus. And when we apply our faith to that blood, it builds the tension so that the bridge can stand the test of time. So if you would get a hold of your cup there, we're going to pray over this and we're going to take this and we're going to add our faith to it. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the blood of Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for taking and paying the ultimate price, that price to bridge the gap, to build the tension so that we will not ever have to break that bridge down again, that we don't have to go down a path of sin. We don't have to go down a path of wrong, that when we do recognize that, we've got your blood to know that the price has been paid for our sin. So Heavenly Father, I thank you that we have the way to you, the way of relationship with you through Jesus Christ and his blood that paid the price for all of our wrongdoing. Father, I thank you and praise you for what it represents to us, and we take it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and drink. Now, Father... As we have done this today, as we have done this as a family, as we have done this as believers, as we have taken this into our lives, this communion, I believe with all my heart that now it forms in the middle of us. You are in the middle of who we are. And we lean into you, we lean on to you, and we thank you for what this day represents. Jesus resurrected from the grave forevermore. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives and continue to do and to bring us out of this situation that we're in. We repent of anything that we've done to cause the movement of this virus. But Father, I thank you that you have taken it away from us because we plead the blood of Jesus over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Do we have anything else, guys? Man, it has been an honor today to come into your homes, and I, I pray that as you feel uncertain at times in the, in the place that we 
live in this day and time. I pray that you would understand that you have missed nothing today, but you have gained everything through the resurrection of Jesus. You have gained everything. You didn't miss Easter. You didn't miss anything that is super important except that you're not with me. But here you are. Here you are. We're, we're, we're together. I love you guys so much, and I cannot wait to get to see you again and hug your neck, shake your hands, whatever the case may be, and I believe it's going to be soon. I think this is an unprecedented day for an unprecedented time, and we'll be together again soon. I love you guys so much, and we will see you when we see you. Love you. Bye-bye.